0: Greetings pilgrims from the Polynesian Islands. I hope you're doing well today, and I'm looking forward to journeying with you, or should I say voyaging with you, into the world of Disney's Moana. You know, when it first came out in 2016, I actually first saw it in Cantonese in a cinema in Hong Kong. Being only four years ago, I do recall my first experience of the movie rather vividly. Firstly, there was a really strange, fluorescent crab that sings a really strange song. I also remember the grandma on my right had a really cute laugh and found Hey Hey the rooster absolutely hilarious. But most of all in my first screening, I remember being moved to tears at three points in the movie, each time thinking, this is such a profound illustration for the communion of saints. And in the months leading to me writing this episode on the Myth Pilgrim, that sense has only deepened. But what is this communion of saints I speak of? Well let me suggest that it is something better experienced than explained, which is hopefully what this episode can begin to do for you. For the communion of saints is something we live within, rather than simply something we believe in. Unlike popular belief. The communion of saints isn't just referring to the many saints in the Catholic tradition, example Saint Benedict and Saint Catherine. As far as Catholic theology goes, the communion of saints actually denotes the unity between all the baptized here on earth, all those in purgatory, and all those already in heaven. It is an intimate, indissoluble fellowship of persons joined by Jesus Christ. And our relationship with all the members across these three, uh, tiers, if you like to call it that, is powerful indeed. Once we awaken to this fact, our spiritual lives literally take on new horizons, as it did for Moana. But at this point, you may also be thinking, hang on, isn't Christianity about a relationship with God? Why involve the saints? Absolutely, 100%, Christianity is about a relationship with God. But it's a relationship plus... As the old Catholic maxim says, We have a personal relationship with God, yes, but it isn't a private one. Just as a bride's love for her husband naturally extends into his family, so it goes with our love for Christ. Christ's family, all those souls in communion with him, becomes our family. A family that transcends time and space. Mother Mary, St. Joseph, St. Ignatius, St. Therese, and St. John Paul II are not just historical figures or saintly role models floating in heaven somewhere, but real, active, and passionate characters alive in each of our stories today. For the purposes of exploring Moana, we'll be focusing today primarily on the communion that exists between us folk here on earth and the saints who are already in heaven. My job this episode is to help you desire an intimacy with these saints. And I believe that the story of Moana might help us do this, for permeating the story is an innate sense that Moana is not just a lone person on a lone mission. You could say that as the movie progresses, so too does her awareness of being part of a bigger family, one that extends way past the physical family and into the spiritual family. It's beautiful, and surely we'll explore two key scenes that illustrates this well. But first, a quick recap of the story. So, in the prologue of the movie, the great ocean gives birth to the goddess Tefiti. While Tefiti remains content, the whole world lives in harmony. The islands flourished, food was plentiful, and the seas were safe to travel upon. At some point, however, a daring demigod, Maui, flies in and steals the heart of Tefiti from her, symbolizing the story as a small, luminous emerald rock. Maui, however, never escapes with the heart because he himself is challenged by the fiery giant Te Kā, who knocks Maui mid-flight and sends the precious heart of Tafiti tumbling into the ocean, apparently lost forever. Tafiti is outraged at losing her heart, as one would be, and in her anguish curses the waters and the fish and islands until her heart is one day restored to her. The ocean, however, is not just a passive body of water. It has a mysterious and gentle will of its own. In time, the ocean, now in possession of the Heart of Te Fiti, chooses a little girl for a very important task, to one day restore the Heart of Te Fiti to her. This little girl is, of course, Moana, who also happens to be the chief's daughter. Through a magical, dreamy encounter, little Moana is actually given the Heart of Te Fiti by the ocean. But when Moana comes of age, she doesn't really remember this incident at all, thinking it only a dream. But her grandma, who was there the day the ocean chose Moana for its mission, does remember. All Moana knows is that since she was a little girl, she's had this mysterious drawing towards the ocean, feeling it call to her and beckon her beyond the reef. But try as she might to explore the seas, her raft never makes it past the ferocious waves of the reef surrounding her island. Further, ever since Te Fiti lost her heart, the waters were no longer deemed safe to travel upon, and Moana's father had long decided that their adventurous seafaring days were over. He had all the island's boats and sailing vessels hidden deep inside a cave, and along with that, their identity as great voyagers. In time, however, the curse of Tefiti reaches their island, depriving it of valuable fish and coconuts and food. So the chief, Moana's father, has a dilemma. Do they stay on the island and try to resist Tafiti's curse, or move to another island and risk travelling across the open sea? And still, all this time, Moana feels the ocean's mysterious call, a call that just won't leave her alone. Right, so that was quite an elaborate backstory to two scenes we're now going to explore in detail. The first scene is the moment when Moana decides a second time to try and sail past the reefs against her father's wishes. The first time she tried this, she was driven out more by curiosity and ends up getting her raft smashed up by the waves. This time, however, she sets sail to fulfil her grandma's dying wishes. Lying on her deathbed just moments before, Grandma had reminded Moana that the ocean had chosen her for the mission of restoring Teviti's heart. She whispers to Moana that she must go, sail past the reefs, and that she would always be with her. And so, heeding both Grandma's call and the call of the ocean, a teary and slightly terrified Moana sets sail in the dead of night. As predicted, the cold, terrifying waves of the reef loom ahead, menacing and threatening. But just when she is about to be battered, the light from inside Grandma's hut goes out. And the spirit of Grandma whooshes out of it in the form of a giant illuminated stingray. It travels from the hut into the sea and glides gracefully under Moana's raft, almost carrying her forward into the dangerous waves. But the spirit of Grandma is leading the way for Moana, almost saying, Follow me as it leaps out of the waters, lifting the spirits of her granddaughter and giving her the means to travel past the reef. Greatly encouraged, Moana finds new strength to go forth, because she knew now that Grandma was still with her. Even though greater challenges lay beyond the reef she had just traversed, she knew she would never really be alone. This scene is beautiful on so many levels. Firstly, it demonstrates how true love transcends the barriers of life and death, of time and of space. While the story of Moana obviously doesn't explore concepts like heaven and judgment, it does explore how relationships are eternal, and how love can freely move between the tiers of heaven and earth. Likewise, while our communion of saints begins here on earth, in the church militant, it extends far beyond that into heaven into the church triumphant. The love between the members of Christ's body is truly cosmic. Secondly, though Grandma had died when the light in her hut went out, she was still interested in Moana's story here on earth, and very much caught up in it. In this scene, Grandma Stingray helped Moana get past the first obstacle to her mission, the waves of the reef. Substitute now Grandma Stingray for The Intercession of the Saints in Heaven and you'll have an idea of just how important the saints are in our lives. This year in particular, I've felt the intercession of St. Joseph particularly strongly, especially through the provision for my community, the abundant fruit from our garden labour, and also just in plain spiritual warfare. Indeed, the intercession of the saints is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that just before she died, St. Therese had sensed that her real mission was to begin after her earthly death, saying... Upon my death, I will let fall a shower of roses. I wish to spend my heaven doing good upon the earth. And those of us who have a devotion to the little flower probably know that the shower of roses she mentions is not just a metaphor. Mm. And thirdly, this scene with Grandma's stingray also works as a beautiful image of how divine grace in itself works. Catholic teaching has always posited That God's grace cooperates with our human nature and never seeks to overpower it or manipulate it. Free will and God's will were meant to work together in glorious harmony. Grace perfects nature, as the saying goes, just as light perfects a stained glass window. In the scene we just explored, both grace and nature were at work to help get Moana past the waves. Firstly, Moana chose to set sail, despite the risks involved. Heeding the call placed inside her, she made all the necessary preparations for the long voyage ahead. But to complement her human efforts, Grace, as it were, steps in at the critical moment to help her do the impossible. Right when Moana needed that extra spiritual boost, Grandma Stingray arrives, just long enough to let her know that she was not alone and never at any point overpowering Moana's free will. But, do you know what else this scene reminds me of? Another famous scene involving crossing treacherous waters. The Israelites crossing the Red Sea in the book of Exodus. Forced right up to the wall of the Red Sea by the pursuing chariots of Pharaoh, all seemed hopeless. Now, you probably know at this point, Moses raises his staff and parts the Red Sea. But note the order in which the events unfold. First, God commands the people to go forward into the sea. And then, Moses was to stretch out his hand to part the sea. The Israelites needed to literally step out in faith first. Remember, grace perfects nature. Just as Moana experienced Grandma's grace when she obeys a call, so too the Israelites experience God's grace when they obey His call. Today, where might this kind of grace be awaiting you the moment you step out in obedience? Okay, the second scene I want to have a closer look at takes place towards the climax of the movie. This scene, an absolute masterpiece, and me trying to describe it here just cannot do it justice. But I'll try anyway. It also happens at night on a raft, but this time, Moana is totally alone, splat bang in the middle of the ocean. At this point, after much adventuring, including escaping from malicious singing crabs. <laughs> Moana truly believes that she has failed in her mission to restore the Heart of De Fiti. There was just simply no way Moana could sail past the fiery Takar to get to De Fiti. Despairing, she cries out to the ocean that it had chosen the wrong person and offers the Heart of defiti back to it. Solemnly, the ocean accepts and we see it receive the stone off Moana and sadly take it back to the bottom of the sea. But then, in this hour of desperation, Grandma's stingray appears again, but this time, Grandma manifests in human form on the raft. Moana and her embrace and they have a brief talk. Profoundly, Grandma lovingly accepts Moana's choice to discontinue with her mission. Then she sings a little song, and just as Moana raises her paddle to return home, she looks up and sees the spirit's of generations of her ancestors sailing towards her from the dark horizon. Soon she is surrounded by their song and their magnificent ethereal rafts gliding by her own, enveloping her, as it were, with their confidence and their love. It is at this moment that Moana remembers that she is part of a bigger story than her own. Through this Communion with the Saints moment... Moana remembers that she is descended from a family of seafaring voyagers and that their story continues to be a part of her story also. Encouraged by their presence and stirred by the love of grandma, she resolves to continue her mission. She dives back into the ocean to retrieve the Heart of Te she had just let go of. But was it really the Heart of Te she was reclaiming, or her own? As Christians, we are always part of a grander story than our own. When we let God take our eyes off our own plans and limitations and even our failures, entire horizons open up and our hearts are set free to live generously and to play the part that God, the author of life, ordained for us. This is what it means to be a saint. I mean this not only because the saints exemplified all of the above, but because our very communion with the saints itself reminds us that we are part of a bigger family, a bigger story that spans the beginning of time till the end of time. In God's story, no person is accidental, no trial is wasted and no vocation is insignificant. In this second scene, Moana is given new inspiration to go on. In God's story, every person's journey is intimately connected with every other journey. In this second scene, Moana is given new inspiration for her journey, not because her outer circumstances had changed, they hadn't, but because she recognised that her story wasn't just hers to tell. Others were helping her tell her story, and she was part of something bigger. And paradoxically, her failure to complete her own story actually opens her up to enter the real story. One that began long before her, and one that would continue long after her. Moana, of course, journeys on, and with the help of Maui, restores the heart of Te Fiti. There's a few more plot twists, but in the end, the goddess is finally appeased and the curse of the seas is lifted. Life and vitality are restored to all the seas, islands, and food sources. Having completed her mission, Moana then returns to her own island. But I feel the greatest mission she accomplished wasn't the reversal of Te Fiti's curse, but rather the restoration of her island-bound people as voyagers. Having discovered the full glory of her own identity and that of her people, their spiritual and geographical horizons suddenly expand. And so, Moana's father, the chief, finally pulls out all the old boats hidden away inside that mountain cave. And together, the people of the island set sail once more into the horizons, singing the song of their ancestors gone by. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always also open to your feedback and ideas too, so feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. Cheers! If you ever watch Moana again, it would be interesting to note how the story would have panned out if it wasn't for Moana's communion with the saints. Many other fairy tales, of course, include their equivalent of the communion of the saints. Think the fairy godmother in Cinderella, the wind in Pocahontas, and even James and Lily Potter in Harry Potter. These tales are timeless because they remind us that we are never alone and that divine providence is generous enough to include both human and spiritual agents to accomplish its tasks. So imagine how much deficient our earthly lives would be without the companionship of the saints guiding and inspiring us. Imagine how much more attractive God's call would be if we knew that we were never alone and that, like Moana, we could rely upon the communion of saints every step of the way. And so, I really hope this episode has stirred within you a deeper desire for our saints. The practical pilgrim exercise is for you to do whatever it takes to grow deeper in love with the saints. Perhaps now's a chance for you to reconnect with your favourite saint, or even to develop a familiarity with a new one. There are, of course, many, many ways to do this. Uh, Reading their writings, their biographies, watching movies on them, praying devotions and novenas, seeking their intercession, just asking them to pray for you. Whatever it is, make it relational and personal, like how Moana would speak to her grandma. If you want a good survey of some of the diverse and key saints in the Catholic tradition, I do highly recommend Bishop Barron's series of The Pivotal Players. Or, if you want to watch my favourite Saint movie to date, I can't go past the two Carol movies, Carol with a capital K, that cover the life of Saint John Paul II. These films are so well done, so well acted, and so well scripted, that even Pope Benedict gave his approval, and he knew the guy in person. (laughs) So yeah, there's some ideas for you. So until next time, dear pilgrims, I will be invoking all the saints to pray for each of you. And please remember to pray for me, your unworthy host, too, that I may persevere in whatever voyage the Lord has for me, and that I may realize that I am never alone. Okay, guys, take care and God bless.